You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. All right, uh, digging into the good goods with our experts today. Uh, both ducks are fully inflated and ready to bring you some analysis. They are Andrew Sullivan, founder of Asian Market Sense. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. And good morning to John Schofield, Managing Director, Tempest Investment. Yes, hello. Good morning, Andrew. Good to see you both in the studio. Gentlemen, I've been hearing this weird uh, phrase around uh, at the end, kind of after the close of markets around the world on Friday, um, that I haven't heard for a while. Uh, it's bull market. And I was like, "What? Sorry, what is that again? What are you talking about?" I mean, <laughs> things are looking up. Um, you know, on one hand, we've got uh, talk of recessions on the horizon. We've been hearing that for a long time. But I'm starting to hear some people with some some counterintuitive thinking. Can I get a take? Uh, yes. Well, I think it's uh, it's a bit premature to talk about a bull market uh, on the and it's quite patchy, really. Um, we certainly got a bull market, a genuine bull market in uh, in Japan. With the Nikkei uh, and, and the topics hitting uh, new all-time highs and looking trending quite strongly upwards, um, most other we've had a good run on uh, Nasdaq in particular in the U.S., but um, the broader markets kind of edging up, um, edging up slowly um, with a lot of sector rotation. Um, I think the next uh, next few weeks, though, we, we, we may see a pickup in, in momentum. So that that's that's that sounds vaguely bullish. I think, uh, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. I think there's. I mean, there's there is good reason in some of these markets to uh, to be encouraged. And I mean, a lot of it though is is as, as John was saying. It's you know a lot of it's being driven by the tech sector, uh, and obviously you know things related to AI. Uh, but in Japan, I think it's probably a more of a, a, you know, people are actually seeing real change taking place there. And it's, but I mean, it's coming at the cost probably of China where, you know, policy has clamped down so fast and so hard that a lot of, um, a lot of investors are rotating out of China and looking for other markets. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, okay, so let's talk China. Do, you, do we think that we're going to have a change in direction on Chinese policy in some areas? Because, I mean, they're not fighting inflation, that's for sure. I don't see any reason for them to change their policy at the moment. I think they're actually, um, you know, they're, they're, in a, they're in a difficult place. I mean, they're, they're constrained by a global slowdown. They still have a property sector that is uh, needing revitalizing and refunding. And they've got local authority debt to contain as well. So they're, 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 there's very little they can really do to, to really drive their economy, you know, and, and stimulate it in the way they've done in the past. Yeah. John, what do you do? Um, yes, I think... Uh, I think China needs to rethink its uh, uh, its business model. Really, um, I mean the long, the sort of secular forces um, and the result of you know overinvestment, very heavy heavy investment in fixed assets, which is running into the laws of uh, diminishing returns. Um, you know these are these are deep structural problems, um, not to mention the demographic issue, mm. um, and we yet to see any, any real. Um, thinking really about how, um, how how this might be uh, might be ad- adapted to. So when you talk about overinvestment in, in, in assets, are, they, are these are assets that are being underutilized? Are they assets that are standing completely empty? And you know they're, they're either going to have to at some point, you know, demand will rise to match them, or or, or are we talking about like ghost towns in northern China that are just going to have to be wiped out someday because nobody's ever going to move into them? I mean, how do you see that playing out? Well, you, you know, great sweat. Not not only the the infrastructure and and, and the property, but also um, huge swathes of, of manufacturing 
uh, industry. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're ramping up capacity all the time. Um, and we've got, you know, price, price wars breaking out in a, in a number of sectors. So profitability of, of China business overall is, is, has been steadily declining for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's uh, pr- probably, uh, fast forwarding that, that's uh, one of the explanations for the, for the, the bear market in, in Chinese stock. I mean, you've, you look at things like the solar panel industry. I mean, <coughs> yeah, they were encouraged a number of years to, to, to focus on this. A lot of local authorities then you know, created factories. There was, no, there was no supply-demand equation there. It was just it was the, the, the behest of Beijing that they did it, and now they are you know, global leaders, but um, without any real global demand. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if, if China if China's not going to get a lift from exports abroad, where is this bull market then? Clearly, it's not because of consumer demand in North America. I mean, is, is this because the FANG stocks, the tech stocks are are over, you know, they're, they're kind of dominating the indices that are going to suggest a bull run uh, in, in, in markets and places, whether in Japan or, or North America or Europe, maybe less Europe. But, I mean, if tech companies are rising and pulling the indices up with them, they're, they're not creating demand for Chinese exports, are they? No, and I think that's a that's a big problem. I mean, they've both got a, a global slowdown, uh, and they've also got a period. You know, they've come out of COVID. You know, a lot of the ordinary citizens in China don't have uh, a lot of saving. They, they their, their incomes were curtailed during the the zero COVID policies, uh, and the companies they are working for aren't seeing demand, and a lot of them still have money tied up in property. So there's very little driver wise to to see anything that's going to to push the markets higher. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, we're looking ahead to some numbers. Uh, we've got a, we, we're coming up on the next uh, Fed moves on interest rates. Uh, what are we expecting? What are we? What are you two expecting on this front? Yeah, I think it's fifty-fifty whether we'll get this uh, this pause or not. Um, just my personal preference would be that uh, they don't pause just yet. That we have one more one more uh, twenty-five basis point increase. Uh, reason being, I think. Um, <clears throat> the U.S. needs a um, needs a sustained period of real interest rates. So we're just about there. We'd, uh, inflation is now down to what seven point nine something, um, and interest rates are, are just above five percent. So um, I think you need a, a bit more a bit more margin for that. But the way to squeeze out inflation long term is to have this um, have this uh, period of where where. where uh, depositors get a real return on 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 their money, and um, so that's my 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 view. Uh, I may, I, the Fed may not may not agree, but Andrew Sullivan, we, I've got a fifty fifty uh, sitting across the desk from you. Are you are you leaning? Uh, give me a fifty one forty nine at least. Come on. No, I think they will. Con- <laughs> I think they will continue to rise. I think uh, you know inflation is their biggest concern. The the labour market continues to so show good strength and and powell's already said that he's you know he's not worried about recession in the u.s he you know he thinks if if there is a recession it'll be a mild one and they can correct policy quickly so i think that the the um the most important factor to him at the moment is squeezing out inflation so i think he's going to continue rising so if if we are um if we are kidding kind of the the top of the interest rates in the united states um, uh, should people be thinking about, uh, you know, locking in with bonds at higher interest rates? Or are those all going to start to fall? Your fixed-term deposits and things are they all going to start to drop? Is now the time to lock it in if you want to have a little stable income for a while? Well, I certainly uh, think it's it's worth having a balanced portfolio. Um, I don't think you'd you'd go all in at this rate, but um, I think there's still scope to for, for rates to rise 
rise higher. I mean, that's what he said. You know, they're going to stay higher for longer. So mm. there's no rush, but it's certainly worth considering. I mean, the Bank of Canada surprised everybody with a rate hike that they weren't expecting. I mean, do central bankers like to do that sometimes, John? Um, yes, well... Uh uh, I think, that if I remember rightly, they've got a bit of catching up to do, um, mm. as have uh, European countries, uh, of course, because um, the U.S. Is, is now has the highest uh, interest rate. But on the bond market, I think um, I think actually that's something to watch. I think the um, I think long term uh, yields should be higher. Uh, so we have this inverse yield curve because the market is expecting a, a, a recession. So far. Um, you know, there's little sign of the recession. Uh, in fact, everything suggests that um, you know we're going to going to muddle through on on that front um, because we've got growth. You know, we've got strong growth in certain areas like the, like the tech, 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 technology and so on. Um, so, on balance, uh, I wouldn't necessarily. I think the market might be surprised that we don't get a recession. Um, and so, the uh, the yield curve should normalise. That should be another. Another thing, um, probably to, to look out for yet um, later this year or early next. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess with the markets, we're all the blind men touching mm. the elephant in some ways. I'm sure people that were, you know, on the trading floors in the U.S. on Friday mm. were they were the ones running around going, "Hey, bull market starting." Whereas yeah. people that are looking at yield curves are saying, "I don't think so." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how, how do you two reconcile these? You know, when you take a broad view of the market, how do you try to reconcile these different signals that you're getting? I think you've just got to you know, look at each things and try and try and have a you know come out with a balanced plan at the end of it. But I think uh, you know we've seen the bond market for the first time in a number of years. You know, really almost baiting the Fed, saying, "Look, we are expecting you to cut," and the Fed's been very clear. Um, you know, the normal adage is, "Don't fight the Fed," and yet this year, so far, we've seen the, the bond market looking to do just that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, the, I guess the flip side of that is, "Don't fight the ticker." But uh, John. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the the market is, uh, you know, it's confounding, uh, confounding the, the, the. A lot of people are always. I mean, this has been the playbook for a number of years. The, um, the 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 investment banks or whatever and strategists try to keep talking the Fed into cutting interest rates, and they think that's the only, the way to to boost the market. I and I, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think that's that's the case currently. And how about the ECB? I mean, you know, the, over the past few months, they've been, I would say, more hawkish than other central banks in many ways. Um, you know, we started a couple of months ago, we started having the Asian mm -hmm. banks freezing their their rate hikes, whereas mm -hmm. the ECB was like, no, we got a long way to go yet. I mm -hmm. mean, but they seem to have been a little quiet lately. Have they, do, you, do you anticipate a change in their stance or are they going to keep cranking it up? Um, yeah, I think they're going to continue to um, to uh, raise uh, raise interest rates until they as I say, catch up with the uh, with the U.S. Uh, to some extent, but they do have this problem where Germany, in particular, is going into is going into uh, at least a mild recession, where where other other countries in the eurozone are actually growing quite 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 well. So uh, this has ever been uh, been the problem for the eurozone for you know since its uh, foundation, really. Yeah, yeah. I think but usually, usually they have the opposite between problem. the different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, Andrew. Well, it's just saying, you know, Madame Lagarde has been clear that she sees, you know, rates have got to go higher. Um, and as John's just said, you know, you're not dealing with one economy in, in Europe. And that's that's always makes it much, much more difficult. Mm. But I mean, for years, we've been hearing about how, you know, Germany was outperforming and then everybody else was complaining that they were driving policy and that, you know, in the wrong way and they were suffering for it. And I mean, now it seems like 
maybe the shoes on the other foot. Is it just Germany or is it a north-south divide again? Are, are the northern economies, uh, the Scandinavian economies also looking a little weak? I know the British economy not so great. I think one of the things you've got to remember, you know, Germany again was a great investor into China. So if China's slowing down, that's had a, a double impact on Germany, uh, whereas other countries didn't have the same reliance. Mm. Okay. Yep. John? Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, Germany's reliance on, on uh, you know, uh, heavy industrial manufacturing, autos in particular. Um, it used to have a, quite a symbiotic relation with China, but now, now China's pumping out all these products. Um, you know, the Germans are really suffering. Right, okay. In market share terms. Hmm. And, Interesting. Well, we've got U.S. Uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken is traveling to China. Maybe he'll uh, cool off, uh, cool off some of the, mm. the, the hot temperatures in the political front. Maybe get mm. some of the the trade back to a little more normal. Thank you very much today, gentlemen. That's Andrew Sullivan, founder of Asian Market Sense, and John Schofield, who's the managing director of Tempest Investment. Thank you for joining us today. 